Perfect. All righty, let's get started. So Wonderful. welcome to welcome to CWC. I am so excited to have you on the show to talk about your personal journey to becoming a composer and your work on Netflix's crime scene, The Vanishing of the CISO Hotel, and your career. Would you please introduce yourself to the audience who might not be familiar with your work? Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, my name is Wendy Blackstone. I was born in the Bronx in New York City. Uh, I went to uh, public schools, which included um, music and art and the Conservatory of Music at, at Brooklyn College. But most of my life actually was learned on the streets of New York. And we'll hopefully get to talk about that, how environment and being open to meeting all kinds of people can lead you to amazing places. And for me, one night I met the people that were going to show me that uh, there was a, a life that could be enjoyed and experienced to the fullest, combining my love of music, composition, um, people, ideas, and the visual arts. Um, so since that journey at age 18, I've uh, had years of scoring films and I've scored over 130 documentary fiction, drama, comedy, very eclectic, like I speak four languages. And uh, that's a little bit about who I am. Awesome. So let's dive in. First thank things first. Yeah, thank you. So first things first, let's start about the project that brought us together today, uh, your work on the show, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. What were your initial thoughts when you were brought on to this project? Well, it was incredible. It was right before COVID hit. It was last February. And uh, I was very excited because I have a long-term relationship and this is often really amazing. If you can have a long-term relationship with the same director or producer or editor, you already have a lot of understanding of each other's likes and dislikes, um, politics, all the different things that go into our art form. And so it was Joe Berlinger and I said, oh my gosh, I would love to work with Joe. And this was a docu-series, let me close this. And uh, so I said, okay, that's really cool. So I cleared my schedule and made myself available because if I can, I like to focus on one project at a time. Um, and because it takes so much and that way you really put it all in one place. So it's pretty terrific. So I did that and, um, and also I was very impressed by the fact that it was about this young woman. And as soon as I heard the story about her, I was very interested in connecting with a true crime story that was for me very meaningful, which the series unveils. I mean, it, to me, it's about learning about this incredible young woman who goes off to travel and she has issues, you know, with her biochemistry basically and an imbalance and, and how that affected her journey and what happened. So I thought there was this incredible uh, opportunity to speak to something very important on her personal level, but also on a, a global scale. So I was very excited. Did you have any initial concerns or things that when you heard about the project and you right away, I want to try and do this with the music. 
Well, for, for sure, the first thing that would come to mind is it's about this young woman. How can I bridge the emotion and connect every viewer closer to who she was so that they could understand the depth, emotional depth and, and what I saw was caring for each person, but this, her, this particular person had her trajectory. So her theme for me was huge. And I knew that over four one hour, one hour episodes, it was going to evolve and shift and change. So I wanted to come up with something that spoke from the heart initially, and that would go through all kinds of manifestations as her journey shift and changed. And so that's what I, that was one theme of the many themes that we may speak to, but that was the first thought that came to mind. And the second, well, there were three main themes that would come to mind. For me, it's an investigation of what happened to her. And investigative music is incredibly cool. I mean, what's going to happen? What a, what a great vibe is that, you know, to be able to translate musically and in so many different ways. Um, and then there was the participation of the web sleuths who are an amazing community. And I didn't know that much about them because I'm so busy in my studio writing music for films that that's just one area I haven't explored much. And that's the beauty of scoring films is that you get to learn things about life and people that you might never uh, otherwise. So um, the web sleuths were amazing to me. They were people who cared, that were passionate, that were on the computers and trying to help the investigation. So they had their own world of music in my book. At first, when they said they were bringing like the public in to try and help with the investigation, I was like, this is going to turn. My first thought was, I don't see how this is going to work. People right. are terrible online. They often, you know, are just jumping to conclusions that don't make any sense. Um, but then when I got to episode two and you got to see these different real life people actually connecting to Elise and especially the dentist who was like, I felt like I had just lost a friend. I saw that they actually did care as much, just as much, if not more than the police who and detectives who were involved on the case. And I remember that when we had these different YouTubers who were all creating their different content and putting it on the video and doing that like investigative reporting, such as that moment where they're like, wait, the milliseconds and the seconds don't quite actually line up with the actual video. I remember suddenly there was just this hit in the music that really grabbed me and pulled me back into the moment. And so I think you did an excellent job of really personifying all of the different aspects of the case. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, it's interesting you said that hit. Uh, you remind me of an executive producer who, an amazing person who back in the day when, you know, very few women get got hired in my field for a, a very long time. It's just beginning to change. And I know we're gonna talk about that more, but, um, Ian Sanders, um, early on before anyone else out on the West Coast, when I was like a kid, gave me a chance 
I went out and I did my own things, getting my own gigs, maybe not taking money at the beginning, but I did enough to create a reel and to show that I could do this. And, and then I took the work out to LA and I showed people like 30 examples of films I had worked on. And Ian was one of the people who gave me a chance at, at, at television series, you know, like network television series, which was kind of amazing to give a young woman at that time. Uh, one was for C CBS first, but later on was Profiler. And for me, you know what a spotting session is? Like when yes. you go in and you sit down with the director or the producer or the editor and say, I think the music would work great here. And, and probably it'll go out there. And then we talk about what that cue might be. And that person might have some great ideas. And I always figured, hey, I'm the composer. I have to have really open ears to what they have to suggest because I can learn from a different point of view, visually, storytelling wise, all these things that they need or feel the need to have there. And then I or we come in and we have certain expertise that we want to add so that we can do whatever we can collectively to elevate the quality and the understanding and the reception of the film. And so what was cracking me up when we were talking about it is that I would sit a spotting session with Ian on Profiler and he said, I want to hit here. I want to hit there. I want to hit there. I want to hit there. And it was because it was an action-packed investigative story you know, about a female detective, you know, investigating every week a different crime. And, uh, but you think about it in your mind's ear and you think about those moments where you wake the audience, you know, up to their, you know, to their full attention or scare them practically, because that's a major point that wants to be made or something. It's not always the case you do that, it depends. That was a dramatic, that kind of high action series. Um, and in this series, there's plenty of those, but um, sometimes of course we get very subtle scores to be written and you're not gonna have the like that. I love hearing you talk about that. I had my first professional spotting session actually on Sunday. And until Sunday, all I've done is spotting sessions like in the classroom setting. So yeah. it's very exciting. And I really like hearing your own thoughts on it. I am so excited for you because I have to share that for me, it's almost one of my favorite moments in the whole process of scoring films or anything. I mean, I did a theater piece for Broadway and the public theater and, and whether it be documentary or, or dramas or comedy uh, or fiction, what nonfiction, um, it's about sitting down with the director and really talking about what the essence of the scene is. Because if we don't know what it is, then we can't write the right music. And these are people who have been spending sometimes a year or two on making this film. And think about it. When you look at an image without music, you're not absolutely sure that there's only one way that it can be scored. To tell you the truth, every scene can be scored a myriad of ways. It's about what perspective do you want to convey? 
Um, and we have to work and that's the beauty of it. So we're not working alone and we actually get to meet people instead of being in dark rooms for the, our whole lives. Um, we get to sit down with the director and find out what they've been thinking about that person, about that uh, character, about the meaning of that scene or that metaphor in the image. Um, and without that, embracing that huge knowledge, this is spot, spotting session is the union of the filmmaker and the music, the starting point from which we go forward, go out into the world and find our best music for that film and then come back and continue the wonderful conversation until we have the best score for the film. I absolutely love that. For me, collaboration is always my favorite part about being a musician or acting as a composer. It's just what makes the magic, in my opinion. It's true. We need each other. And in this period, I think we've seen it so clearly that at the end of the day, if we have our health and people in love, I think we have everything. And for us, it's also music and other things too. But the essence of life, I think, is, is life and love, right? Absolutely. So collaboration, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you make great friends that way. You know, they become lifelong friends. Hopefully you do lots of shows with that person because as I said, you, you enrich the conversation. There are things there that they trust you with already so you can even go further into your craft. You got me all hyped up now. I want my spotting session to be now. <laughs> I wanna watch. <laughs> so next question true crime is such a unique drama especially when it's a case like this where it's kind of become an urban legend in so many aspects as a composer of different styles where did you find other parts of your career were connected to this style of movie Oh, that's a great question. Well, it's interesting. Um, you know, composing is speaking a language and our vocabulary grows as our experience grows. And each opportunity in film scoring is an opportunity to come from life and musical composition from a, a different psychological and emotional language. Um, so yes, I've spoken this particular emotional musical language before. Not exactly the same story, wonderfully, but even um, in uh, United States of America versus uh, James Bul Bul Bulger or Bulger, sorry, Bulger. Yeah, I should know that. It's a, it's a film about Whitey, Whitey Bulger. And um, so it's like two hours or so. It's a, it's a long feature fiction uh, doc film. It's amazing, but it's exploring who this character was, Whitey Bulger, this criminal from uh, Massachusetts and, uh, and what he got away with. And it's an incredible story, but all of it is about investigative uh, process on finding out more and more about him. And so investigation music is incredibly cool to write. 
think about all the spy movies we've seen and and um, all the different aspects of investigation we have in film. There's such great opportunity, uh, and I guess yeah, it's really one of the more fun fun uh, kind of music styles of music to write. Paradise Lost Three, Purgatory was another amazing one, I would say, because again, that was uh, these these three young men uh, who were into heavy metal were uh, convicted. You know the story, the West Memphis Three. Uh, they were convicted for killing three young boys, um, and it was not true. Um, but because they were heavy metal and they were different, they were kind of stigmatized and and. Mm -hmm. the cops totally got it wrong and 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 so this film was amazing on top of which i felt the responsibility of helping the filmmakers uh joe berlinger and bruce sanofsky uh they were trying to show that these three were innocent and and so you're not only trying to write your greatest music each time but if you have the extra responsibility of trying to help a cause a reason um, somebody like me, I'm going to feel like, holy cow, I have to do everything in my ability because the music has a huge role in how the people are going to feel, how they're going to connect with those people. I want them to connect with Damien Eccles, who I believe is not guilty. So how do I do that? I can't write a beautiful romantic theme. He's into heavy metal you know, I have to find the right orchestration that's going to connect who he is, but keep the heart that I feel that I want to bridge the audience to him with. So uh, I don't know, I got all over the place there, but there are Sorry. many wonderful uh, uh, pieces that I've scored, films that I've scored that have a sense of investigation and also a sense of emotional, deep emotional connection with the character that we want the audience to connect with as well. Absolutely. The music is what, in my opinion, tells the audience they need to pay attention to and helps get along the lines of this is what the director is trying to get you to feel right now and get you to connect to. And so I think you did a really beautiful job of explaining that and how you look at it yourself. So okay. true, true crime comes with another special challenge with it in that you have to lean into that drama, create that investigative spy chase scene kind of drama. But also with true crime, you have a special case of trying to respect the real people who were affected by the situation, especially with something as recent as this, where the people are still alive. What do you do to tackle these situations? You just have to really, you know what's so extraordinary about film scoring is that so much of it is intuition, instinct, and your mind is hugely involved as well. It's a combination, a perfect balance of your intellect and your heart and your instincts to find the balance that shows respect to Elisa in this case and her family and all the people that work to try and find what happened. Um, 
to the other stories we're talking about in the bigger picture. Um, in documentaries, you have to be incredibly aware of how you're composing for the character. Just the right amount of X. It's, it's a feeling and you don't wanna overdo it, which if I look at my pieces when I was 18, Oh, it was about El Salvador, and I wanted these people who were fighting for justice to win. So the theme is ba ba da ba ba da ba ba da ba ba da. It's a very nice theme. Ba ba da 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 da. It's very heroic. It's it would be good in a fiction film. Now, if I went back with my knowledge now, because each score you grow, I would. I would orchestrate a little differently. I would keep mm -hmm. that that respect and enthusiasm, but maybe it was a little bit over the top. Uh, I don't know, it, I, you know. But that's that's really what it is about. It's about what is the perfect balance. It's like making a painting. Do I have too much red in that painting? I think it would be better if I added a little bit more yellow to balance it out. That's that's how I approach arranging. I look at it, I love looking at things from different points of view. So, you know, when I think I'm scoring, I actually think I'm painting a mural with a bunch of portraits that have to work individually for each cue, but the overall as a mural of connecting all those fabulous portraits. So it's the individual and the distinction, but how they all tie together. So I always think in, in terms of painting and um, and I try to be as respectful and honor the characters every moment of the way. And yes, in documentary, you have to be incredibly careful. Uh, is there any chance you could share with us an example of a time in the Cecil Hotel um, I almost said movie, it's a series. In the Cecil Hotel series where there was a person where you were being very delicate and thinking of this painting as you arranged the music for them? Oh yeah, I mean, every time I sat with Elisa at her computer, I felt that in a huge way. I mean, especially because she had passed and, and there she was so young and vital and at the beginning, of an exciting time in her life. Um, her sister, her parents, especially those were the people that I really, really felt I had to be very delicate with and honor most of all. Beautiful. That's how I felt when I was watching it. I remember when they were having the reporter from back in 2007, who was saying that if you were going to tell a story with faces, just look at the worried mom and the solemn father. And right there, I was just thinking, oh my gosh, how would I do this? Just trying to think about it in my head. I'm like, this reporter is treating them like social media characters but they're people right there and it's just amazing how just the smallest thing can change how you're viewing that moment how mm -hmm. did you go 
I think that's brilliant. I'm sorry, but you you uh, inspired me to think about the fact that space in music, the silence between the notes is really, really huge and important and particularly in scoring films. Um, and just to make you laugh, I'm going <laughs> to tell you that sometimes I've seen films that have barely any music in them. And I think they're some of my favorite film scores. Uh, there's a tendency these days for the last decade probably to jam pack every hour of film with about an hour of music, maybe 96 minutes. Uh, I mean, whatever, you know, maybe just under an hour. And, and that's interesting. And maybe it's because everything is so electronic now and we're so pumped and everything's so fast and it's only getting faster exponentially. So then maybe we need to charge things and maybe people when they're making documentaries, they feel that they need the support of the music every little bit of the way. But I have seen, for example, if you saw another score of mine, which I really loved, um, which also had investigative, but has a very different approach, it's got an Oscar. Um, uh, it's called Girl in the River. Um, an amazing film that changed the law against honor killings in Pakistan. Uh, based on a true story, of course, and it's an amazing uh, film that you should see. HBO did it. Charmaine Obaid Chinoy was the director, and um, and there's a lot of space between the cues, and I try to be give a lot of air to the cues because. Uh, you know, you'll see. Also, this is in a different location. We're in Pakistan. You know. Um, Anyway, it was a lot of sculpting to figure out what would work respectfully and best support this incredible story. Um, and, and so I just wanted, you just made me think about um, that when we need to honor people because of the delicacy of doing real live um, stories, music for real life stories, space and silence rests come in handy if we can paint them incorrectly absolutely one of when i first started college i guess three years ago now i had the biggest issue of filling every single moment with as much music as I could, even outside of film scoring, just for like a chamber piece for a wind quintet. I would have it so jam packed. Everyone's playing all the time. And my teachers had to slow me down and go, you know, rests are important too. There's no reason you need to triple the melody here. Interesting. Yes. Oh, I love that. And think of the metaphor. I mean, I think life has to be lived to the fullest. I, I bet we all agree on that. I mean, each day is such a gift. But on the other hand, it is amazing if we can actually create a space for time to just ponder and think about what we're doing and think about the world and our loved ones you know, rests, pauses. <laughs> Just breathe for a second. Yeah. As a clarinetist, I especially appreciate that because sometimes yeah. composers don't give me a spot to breathe. Wow, there you go. So 
one of the things I love with the rests and the moments and the themes and the melodies was the really unique sonic palette for this series. I remember especially in the first episode, I was just so intrigued by how different each moment was, but was still so intertwined, especially when they were going back into the history of the hotel and saying back in the 1920s when this group's created and then talking about the creation of these um, police boundaries and everything that went into the area, but it was still all connected. And I noticed that with your other projects, they similarly all have these unique sonic universes. How do you personally go about creating the sonic palette for your scores? Oh, thank you so much for hearing that. And I really appreciate it because I put a lot of my life energy into what you just described. So I thank you. For some reason, it's who I am. Mm -hmm. I don't. I mean, I can't think I lived my life that way and it's reflected in one's art that I don't want to repeat myself um, musically. I, I want to keep on finding new things that I haven't discovered in the past. So for each singular project, I wanna find new sounds because I'm a creative person. I've been making up melodies since I was 11 or earlier, but I didn't know there was a word named composing. That means some of us are just brought into the world and it's what we do. Mm -hmm. Aren't we lucky? Uh, but in that sense, as a continuation, it's the magic of being a child. And it doesn't matter what age you are because I'll be 120 and I'm still, still gonna be incredibly fabulously immature in the sense that I don't want to be mature. I want to keep being uh, unadulterated is another way to say it. I want to keep shifting, changing, growing. And I think that should be reflected in what I make. Uh, if I want to make the same thing over and over again, I'm not gonna be happy. I also feel like if I, invent something that comes out of each particular film that to me is some kind of metaphor, even if it's only me knowing it, I know it's in there. So if I do a film about called Lud's Ghetto and it's about um, Nazis marching through Poland and I take instead the sound when they're going starving, they're starving, the chopping of onions is dramatized. I took that sound and I melted it down and it sounded like slow, crazy, surreal marching. Ooh. Ooh, right. So you and I are psyched about this and that could maybe make us go off and do something else that wasn't invented yet. Cause there's always something new to be invented. And I make believe that I'm related to Madame Curie, who was amazing mm -hmm. and a scientist who invented brilliant things. I love science and math too. And astronomy is a huge part of my life. I have a lot of, I'm a Renaissance woman. I love a lot of things, but I focus on film scoring because it's so huge and it takes a lot of time. <laughs> it takes your whole life. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, but 
it's the fun of creating new palettes. And I also think it's politically cool because in the sense that if I make things that are a little strange and, and you haven't heard them before, then I think it opens up other people's minds to thinking other thoughts and to being more progressive and open to new ideas. And I think that can shift the world to a, a better place. I could be just painting my own crazy story, but I love that story that I've created. I believe I it. When I was 16, I was in that space of, oh, what do I want to do with my life? And at the time, I thought I wanted to be an aerospace engineer. That's what I was focusing on. And, but I was still so obsessed with composing. I was in those engineering classes, but as soon as my project was done, I was composing. And I remember going to my music theory teacher at the time and saying, how can I compose and still be an engineer, but still, you know, love history and painting and everything. And I thought she was going to tell me, calm down, stop being a silly 16 year old. But instead she said, have you ever thought about film scoring? And she described it to me in a very similar way that you just did. And I love hearing that somebody else in this crazy business looks at film scoring in a similar way that I do, is that it's all connected. It is, it is. And you are so perfectly right. At least I totally agree with what you're saying. For me, I mean, when I think about one of the greatest film scores I love is called Life Beyond Earth because somebody gave me an opportunity, brilliant Timothy Ferris, who's, who writes about astronomy, he's a brilliant writer, uh, two hours to score about my passion. I was on a Bronx building rooftop, apartment building rooftop, mm -hmm when I was 11 with my own uh, sky charts, trying to figure out all the constellations and understanding the sky. And this man gave me a chance to spend a couple of months just scoring about my passion for astronomy or history, which I love. And I've been able to learn so much more through the history projects I've done. Um, and, and politics to be able to speak to the fact that I may really support this ideology. How incredible to be able to uh, learn while you're doing what you're doing and respond to it musically and support that story. It is all inclusive and it is all encompassing and you're absolutely right. We, it's wonderful to be so open to life because there's so much to it, you know? Absolutely. There is so much life beyond the practice rooms, as I remind my friends, when they won't leave the practice room. Right. Well, it's a beautiful, safe place. And you do get great by practicing forever. Um, but you have to follow your own heart that it could be their heart and yours and mine seem to be a, a little different. Absolutely. And, and they're all good. They're all good. Yeah. One of my friends who is one of the best jazz and classical pianists I have had the honor to work with, he was telling me the other day, 
you know, I'm only practicing 40 hours a week. I think I need to fit some more time in there. And I was like, whoa, man. <laughs> I mean, he's amazing. He is doing great work in there. But personally, I have to take some time out of there in order to create my best music. Yes, right. So <laughs> along that line of creating your best music, something I was really intrigued upon when I looked at your website is that you have an ongoing connection in your daily life to a range of styles such as Latin, jazz, rock, contemporary classical, and downtown experimental. And it's described as a vital part of your own artistic persona. And I've got to ask, how do you do it? How do you achieve staying connected to all these different parts of the music scene? Well, it's passion, basically. Again, just love hanging. They're all amazing kinds of music. I could never just stick with one. I mean, I'm just not that kind of person. It's why I speak four languages. I want to know more and I want to know more people and I want to know more cultures and I want to have all these perspectives feeding in my life so that I enrich it more. So hopefully I can be, you know, somebody who can share things with others and, and just connect more with others. And I think, well, it just naturally grew that I met Latin Americans, I, when I was in college, I was paying, you know, for whatever fruit and everything and my tuition uh, by playing in Latin bands. And then uh, I went down, there was a Barry Harris workshop, which was amazing. And all the best players were going down there and learning from Barry Harris, a great, brilliant jazz musician, going to uh, jazz clubs and just listening. I was in, I was the first chair on violin um, in all the orchestras from fifth grade on through conservatory. So I loved, you know, orchestral and oh my God, who wouldn't love orchestral music? I mean, uh, rock and roll. Well, I mean, it's just so much fun. I love electric guitar. I don't think I could live without electric guitar. It's one of my favorite things in life. I played flutes also. I mean, I, I play guitar, keyboards, uh, flutes, um, small percussion. I try to sing. Um, I, I, yeah. So I'm uh, probably leaving something out there. And that being, having a bit of all those different instruments, I guess made it really easy for me to compose for all those sections and um and the diversity of styles i mean i just love them all you know i mean i happen to have a guy one guy that i love for 20 years i mean he you know we met very young and i i adore him but when it comes to love of styles and art and all these other things it's very eclectic and I feel it enriches my life to be able to dabble in them all. I don't think there is any difference in them. They're just, okay, the orchestration is different. The rhythms are different. Okay, this is, you know, this is different, that is different. But they're all music. They're all notes, right? So what is the difference? Um, and I like being weird. I don't consider myself normal and I, I'm proud of that. It's just how I entertain my head. Um, 
Abby Normal. I am Abby Normal. And in the sense that I love the quirkiness of life. And that's why I invent the sounds. And that's why I try to be different. Um, it allows me to step aside and be more creative if people don't have expectations of what I should be. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I get more space that way. I remember early on in my own career, I was creating my own website for the first time. And I went to my teacher. I'm like, I don't know what to put for the genre that I compose in. And he, this was Dr. Greg Simon. He said to me, genre is something else. He said, genre is something other people decide after you're dead. <laughs> Good. Well, I hope it just meant for you that you can do anything because why not? If you're exactly. an artist, you have artistic license. That means go anywhere. Go to the yes. moon, back and beyond. Go anywhere you feel like it. And never feel like you're stilted in one little cabinet drawer. What the heck? Try different things. See what you like. Exactly. I can use parallel thefts if I want to. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> I will. Parallel thefts, for some reason, are like one of my favorite things to hear. One of my like favorite intervals to integrate when I can. I think it's just awesome. But that's, that's because you have, you have such a beautiful heart. And that's why your music is wonderful. And that uh, parallel fifths, I believe, go back to the Gregorian chants or before and think about the spirituality of that music. So that's music, the brilliant ones earlier on in the world when life was less complicated and there were many less people, they knew it was simple and beautiful, very simple and beautiful. And they even thought unisons were okay and octaves. And, and anyway, at the end of the day, these are sound waves and their frequencies, and they actually do affect us in certain ways. And we know that to be true too. And parallel fifths have a very spiritual, holy feeling to them, healing feeling. And, you know, that's another whole world where you can go with music. How does music make people feel? And what, what can we do to help the situation? It seems like, seems like people can always use love and help, you know, and, uh, and in as composers, I think we have extraordinary quiet power to help the world. We do. My dad is an older man and he is a beautiful, simple, simple man. Uh, he listens, he can't get around so much anymore that well, but he listens to WBGO, which is an extraordinary jazz station. Mm -hmm. And even though he can't get around, he sits there, it makes his day and he bops back and forth. That's what we're all doing. And then you couple it with image and story and it's that, which is a combination of direct ideas and storytelling and the visual that help us together, those elements together, move people, teach people, open people up help people. Wonderfully put. What's a piece of music, if you don't mind me asking you, that has extremely moved you in that way? Though I'm sure there are many. Oh, out in the world? Oh, yes. Gosh. That's too hard. 
<laughs> I'll think about it if I can figure it out. I mean, there's just uh, there's so much beautiful music. It's incredible. I can't. Sorry. That's all right. But isn't That's... that a great answer? There's exactly. so many extraordinary pieces of music in the world. And I love so many different kinds of music. So if it's a hard answer to question, that means you're listening to enough music. So let's go ahead and look at a different avenue of your world of music. Something I saw on your website and I saw on multiple composers websites that I absolutely love was this project called The Woman Who Scores Soundtracks Live. How did you get to be a part of this project and what would you say it's all about? Well, that's an incredible project that uh, now uh, several organizations, I don't know all of them have put it together. Um, but uh, a women's film composer group, the Association of Women Film Composers, and um, I know White Bear was involved and a downtown Los Angeles uh, group. But anyway, it was a beautiful August night. And for the first time that I ever had heard, 20 women film composers were asked to participate in this beautiful, with a full moon, <laughs> night and a full orchestra event uh, in downtown LA summertime and it was amazing because you know as I said I started um, very early on and getting recognition in any way even though oh, yeah I was very fortunate nine of the films I worked on were nominated or won Oscars so there was recognition from that a lot of good reviews um, which led to a piece of theater with, by George C. Wolfe and all these things. But it really was very hard going in the sense that if I wasn't as tenacious and passionate uh, about scoring films, I would have given up a long time ago. There were, it, it was all on my own, as I'm sure it is for you and many. Um, and so to be asked one night to participate in an evening celebrating 20 women film music, their, their film music, one evening with full orchestra in downtown LA, in the heart of film, the film community in America was so moving for me. I mean, for me, it was, it was, extraordinarily almost shocking that finally we few women were being recognized in the larger community because there was Shirley Walker who preceded us and, and several others. There were, but they were very, very few and far between and God knows what they had to go through to get any work. Um, you always have to be extraordinary beyond yourself to be able to be accepted finally, if you're not the norm of that time. But so for me, this was unbelievable that we were going to be recognized and, and heard. And so it was one of the most monumental evenings of my life, almost as important as when I got married. I mean, for me, because I had, I am... I have dedicated my life to scoring films. And so 
it was extraordinary. And I think that was the time or just a bit before where things started opening for women film composers. For a long time, it just was like the landscape was very thin, let's say. Um, I don't know how else to describe it. So I'm really happy to say that I feel like there's a movement in our country at least you know, the progressive part of our country, <laughs> we have a few different parts. The progressive part is really trying to make more inclusion. And it, it feels so perfectly right and honest and the way it should have been all along. So it feels like things are getting corrected. And that was like one of those poignant nights that showed a big shift in the paradigm. Well, I, on behalf of my generation, just have to say thank you to you guys. There is, there were two other girls in my film scoring class last year. And I remember my teacher said, this is the most girls we've ever had. And it's still not a lot, but we are able to be there without feeling out of place or like we're the odd one out. And it's because of the amazing work that you and people like you have done in film scoring. So thank you. I mean, this shift couldn't have been done without you guys getting in there and doing the work, making great music. Uh, I'm so touched by what you're saying. I am so moved. Thank you. Thank you. And I feel so connected to you because I feel like we're one of the same people, you know, in the sense that it's just kind of, you know, they say passing the baton, but hey, I'm around for a long time, I hope, you know, doing what I love until the day I pass on. Uh, but, you know, we are one long line of development and it's just going to keep on improving, keep on getting better. And what's beautiful there's an interesting thing. I, it's two-sided. On, on the one hand, I feel like if you didn't know the gender of a piece of music you heard, you absolutely couldn't guess it. Do you really? Exactly. You, we know that. On the other hand, I really love that if we sometimes can understand because we're living lives in these physical bodies from our perspectives and cultures still are what they are, we have different perspectives that we need to contribute to the musical conversation. And so I think it's very, very important that we are there. And at the same time, it's interesting. Music is almost like spiritual spirituality and the stuff that it's invisible and, uh, and it doesn't have gender. It doesn't have ethnicity. It's, it's global, it's universal, it's one thing. And that's what connects us all. But anyway, I, I thank you very much for you appreciating what all of us have done. Uh, we're happy to have done it. It was really hard, but incredibly invigorating and sustaining and and we're here, still here writing incredible music that's really important and being, you know, disseminated into the world. And, and you're going to continue that. 
I wish you all the best and may everyone give you the opportunities that you deserve. You have such a good heart and mind. Well, thank you. I'm very excited. So another part of your life that I have just got to ask about next week, I happen to be starting my first international job. I'm going to be doing a digital internship with a classical music company in Vienna, Austria. Wow. Um, I was originally supposed to do an internship abroad in person, but you know, COVID couldn't go, but you live your life as an international citizen. You spend time in LA, New York, and Italy. Well, LA and New York are in the same country, depending on who you ask. But what led you to this decision to make this a part of your life? How do you consider living life as a global citizen to be important? And do you feel that international perspective has affected you as a musician? Yes, absolutely. I think that, you know, life is a school. For me, life is a school. And if we can travel, meet different people, understand different perspectives through their cultures, listen to their music, listen to their films and stories, it just enriches what we're doing, even if we continue to mostly work in America. Um, but if you do travel around, you open up opportunities also to work there as well. And the rest of the world, each part of the world has different ways of doing film and doing film scoring. There's a lot of things in common, but process. What are the schedules? What are the budgets? What is the artistic interchange? Um, what is important? You know, all those things to me enrich once again what we're doing. And that isn't that the goal? It's just a metaphor for life. I just want our, our lives to be as full and rich as they can. And therefore, I want my scores to be all informed by whatever I can learn. I've learned so much. Of course, I went to Italy when I was a kid on my own with my violin. And I was also partnering with a couple of other musicians and we'd play the streets because I didn't know how else to win my way and eat and have lodging. Um, but I couldn't believe the love of music there. That like, I, I felt like I was Italian immediately. And that isn't, it's not that it's not true of the world. The world loves music. But in my connection there, I was pretty thrilled with the enthusiasm. And I thought, oh my gosh, although so many of the vocabulary we use in music is Italian. So, and now I'm going to start speaking with an Italian accent. But, um, and of course, with my hands. I mean, conducting has to have been in in invented there, don't you think? <laughs> What? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so I mean, every time you go, even if you have the little, the smallest amount of money, I never had any money. I mean, but you can, we're creative. You can always figure out how to get there and, and figure out what you can do to stay there and learn from the people. And then you, you like a traveler, you bring that home and you write it into the music. Absolutely. My first time I went abroad, I went to Ireland as a student with, oh. and I 
fell in love with all of the Irish and Celtic style music. I went to dance shows. I saw buskers on the street during art fairs and just seeing all of that was what reminded me, this is why I make music, this right here. Yes. Well, to tell you the truth, I'm married to Nomali and I have an Irish passport. And so I spend a lot of time in Ireland and that's my other love. The people are the salt of the earth, as they say, so <laughs> down to earth and so kind and generous of heart. And the music is so beautiful. And they always have these jam sessions, whatever pub you go into. So if you bring an instrument with you, they're going to let you come in. And that to me is absolutely stunning that you can go and hear live music all over the place. It's, and it's very down to earth music. I mean, the folk music of the Irish is, is so simple and gorgeous. And they repeat, there are a lot of repeat signs you know, and, and, and so it's almost mesmerizing and it gets you into this incredible trance because they're very spiritual people too. Um, and gosh, you see, you speak about traveling. Look at the enthusiasm we have. I hope anyone listening to this buys a ticket as soon as it's safe to travel and, and plans a trip. Absolutely. I'm going to Germany for the first time next year. My boyfriend is going to the University of Bonn for his master's. And it's one of the things I'm most excited about getting to go there and experience something brand new. Wow, that's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. And you'll see the museums. I don't know about you, but think about it. Film is a visual art. So as a film score person, the masterclass should just be keep on listening to the great composers, the great in the great films and you will learn so much there just by listening to the scores and watching how they interact with the image i'm talking about kurosawa's films uh i'm talking about of course the leone score uh, uh films scored by morricone uh, uh there's just so many great great people and, and, and the current great composers. So watching films for me is always a masterclass in, in film scoring. You never stop learning. And, um, and it's amazing. As a matter of fact, that is why I practically watch a film every night if I'm not scoring through the night. And, um, and if I ever have a break, I'll just load up and do more. My husband lights films. So we, he's a, film geek and it's easy that's that's what, how we spend a ton of ton of time um and you will just learn so much that way so it's just another tip if you're interested in film scoring that is really one of the best schools absolutely speaking of great current composers doing awesome work what are you working on right now as much as you're allowed to say of course well, actually, they told me not to say it yet, but I will, I can tune back in or write it on uh, when, when I'm allowed to tell you, but I'm going to be doing um, a four hour special for HBO on something that absolutely thrills me. Um, and 
I really want you to know about it because I think you're going to absolutely love it. So let's tune in in the summer and um, and we'll we'll do a little PS coda. We, yes, absolutely. We know about codas. <laughs> I don't know. Half the time I miss it when I'm sight reading. <laughs> DSL coda. Shh. Where's the coda? <laughs> For real. Yeah. Before we sign off, any final words for aspiring composers who are listening to this podcast? Yeah, please keep doing. We need what you're doing because we need your music really badly. Uh, put your whole heart and mind into it. Uh, have a sense of purpose and really be committed to the fellow filmmakers that are working so hard on the film to make the best film possible. Um, no matter what, if you're tenacious and you stick to it, you're going to be able to get work and do what you need to, to make it happen. If you're creative, you'll make it happen. You will create this. So, uh, and, and find great people to work with, hire real musicians, get everybody working when you can, um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Wendy. This has been an amazing talk. It was so great to speak with you. I feel like we really connected. We are a lot more similar than I thought we were going to be. And it's awesome. <laughs> I feel that way too. I'm touching you. <laughs> I feel totally connected. And uh, thank you so much for doing this to for so for so many reasons and i'm always here for you thank you all right sign Good luck off. With everything. thank you have a great rest of your weekend bye thank you. you too hi all thank you guys so much for tuning in today to this latest episode of chatting with creators thank you guys so much for being patient with me during this long hiatus i had something very hard to deal with come up in these past couple weeks and it's really hampered my productivity and it was really great to get back into the swing of things and you know edit this video that I have had filmed since May. Thanks Wendy for coming on to the show and thank you White Bear PR for making this all possible. Go to Netflix guys and check out this awesome mystery series The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel and I promise you won't be disappointed. Have a great rest of your week, guys, and I'll see you next time. Bye.